this is the uh, it's uh, August 13th and uh, this is set the table episode number 18 uh, I am John and with me as always is Jack how's it going eh and uh, we're talking about tabletop role-playing games um, this episode we're gonna get into some uh, some big bad evil guys villains uh, end bosses encounters of, of a conclusory concludery conclusory sort um, I think for, the French or the Montaigne's would call that a denouement. There you go. Um, and so speaking of those, uh, we did play 7C yesterday and the week prior. Yeah, um, so we've we've had two uh, adventures in the second act of my uh, three-act or three-module adventure path. And how's it going from a player perspective? Uh, it's going all right. It feels, feels, feels a little, maybe a little bit like rushed or ambiguous, but, um, it's still, it's still unfolding. So we'll see. So from the GM side, I obviously wanted to have this adventure be something different. So listeners will know we talked about the first adventure a lot. Uh, if you don't want to listen to all that stuff, the first adventure, lots of drama, lots of intrigue. It happens in Vodachi, which is the Seventh Sea version of Renaissance Italy. So there's there's plots and romance and double crosses and and things aren't clear. And what I wanted to do in the second adventure was shift that around a little bit so that it was much more of an action movie so i I thought the the first one played out kind of as more of a kind of a mystery movie like it was more like mystery detective work and i I wanted uh and based on player feedback i wanted to offer a more kind of rollicking swashbuckling you know chase the carriage with swords drawn and and jump from the rooftops and fight bad guys and your your party. We're, we're get we're getting there a little bit, but we also didn't bit. we didn't have a reason to fight any of those people until they were like we're going to be senselessly violent, and then it was like ah fine I guess we will. But well well to to be fair, they started out being needlessly crass and rude and insulting. Yeah, but that's and, it's they're pirate. Everyone does that. And then they turned, and then they were uh, obstructionist and threatening violence and it wasn't until it really i mean the npc groups had to start killing each other before you guys started uh, a an action sequence well yeah 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 well we didn't have we didn't have a reason to do it you know yes like we there wasn't a lot of setup in really like getting any there was no mystery we just don't have information right and that and that feels worse than having the mystery okay well that those are good notes because i've i've adjusted the i've adjusted things slightly although i'm really interested to see what happens on wednesday well we'll uh we'll see uh also in the meantime uh my group played some 5e um they had survived a uh, an attack in the night and are are still trying to figure out exactly what to do next. They know that they have to leave the city soon, but they're waiting on some magic items that are being crafted, and now they know that they are 
being watched or that their safe house was detected so they're trying not to go back there and um it's uh it's just getting getting a little bit tense as they wait to find out exactly how they will get out or conclude what they're trying to do or whatever else they just try to do so they've got they've got options nice so in my 5e game uh, my my character is the only evil character in the party, and she has kind of found a place in the prison she'd like to call home. Uh, so there was uh, an explosion when the other people in the party turned over a chest that they found. I'm using air quotes now. <laughs> they found a chest. Uh, and we're instructed to turn it over to uh, the NPC who's basically giving us quests. Yeah. And, of course, Dalrea had a singing. She's a bard, and she's getting relatively famous. Well, my, she's becoming a minor celebrity, right? A, a C-lister or a B-lister to sing in various places. So she's she had, a, she had singing to do. So uh, she went early to the bathhouse to do her hair and, and to get clean and to do her laundry uh, and let the rest of the party go uh, to turn over this box. And there was a big explosion, and lots of the party got hurt. Uh, and now there's a lot of people are questioning uh, loyalty within the party. Oh, nice. So just so in, so in discontent. Yes. Now, now, had players died, characters died, um, our DM was... We, we're, we're always kind of... It's 5e, so we expect to have... Everyone's got a, a back pocket character just in case, right? Sure. Um, so everyone started talking about their, their backup characters and how they'd bring them into the, into the story. And, and, uh, and so it wasn't, I don't think the players are angry with me. Um, I haven't confessed out of character that it was Dalrea's doing. I'm not going to make that claim. I'm not going to break that news here. That's, that's fake news, right? <laughs> that chest that chest came from uh, people un in the underground. Could have been the drow. Could have been the kenku. Uh, could have been. Could mostly was the probably was the succubus brothel that hates us. Um, but obviously it was a setup of some sort. It's just who is the ultimate author of the setup is still uh, a point of conjecture within the group. Cool. 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 So uh, Delray is not any closer to just ignoring everybody and going off and doing her own thing. Um, but it, it might come to that if, if she can't off the rest of the party first. Pretty fun. That's some, yeah. uh, not novel or uh, narrative appropriate PVP. Um, that, that could be a, we could do an up that I'll have to add that to the episode list. Cause Navigating. How to handle player versus player? Yeah, because that—that is, if it's done well and everyone in the group kind of enjoys playing with one another, like if if the players like each other, it's okay if the characters don't. Right, right, right. Um, but you can you can hurt some feelings pretty quickly if if you cause that kind of trouble. 
Yeah, yeah. So we'll I'll we'll do a future episode on that. Um, so this this time we're talking about uh, the big bad evil guy, right? Commonly and lovingly referred to as the BBEG, um, is sort of like your main antagonist, or uh, sort of conc- I I think of it as the concluding encounter more than a more than a person or a thing. Okay. Um, because <clears throat> you could have a villain, right? But you could also have a um. You could have a, a mystery of like what, what, who, or what is plaguing the town, and the the plague or the curse is the bad guy, right? You've got to figure out how to break that. Sure. Or you could be uh, uh, exploring, you know, Dwemer ruins a la Skyrim, or in like an Indiana Jones style dungeon where you've got treasure at the end that is protected by some elaborate trap. Um, or you have to collect the seven legendary wedding dresses from across the land. Sure, sure. I don't I don't know if you've ever seen that. I think that's a is it college humor? It's a YouTube video where there's a guy in plate mail and he walks into the the peasant's house and he just takes all their stuff and the peasants are sitting there, of course. They're video game NPCs, but the the conversation they're having with one another that the hero can't hear is just hilarious. It's like, "Oh, he's going through our cupboards again." Oh look, he found our savings. We were gonna go on vacation with that. He just took it. What is he doing with my wedding dress? And it's... but yes, I'm sorry. I, no, I got no, that's there. all right. That's all right. Um, I I used a <clears throat> the the sort of big bad evil guy in the first campaign that I ran, uh, and I talked about the the fight on the volcanic caldera in previous episodes. Um, but the the bad guy technically in that is you know the the ever consuming will of one of the deities in my world so the players being level you know seven or eight at the time um needed something level appropriate so the the big bad evil guy of what was basically a two-year story arc was a the party fighting this small scale uh, you know, war basically on the edge of this volcano, trying to stop a ritual, um, and so that was that was my big bad evil guy, so to speak. Um, but I don't I don't think they have to be a a, a villain necessarily, a person. No, they they could be a force. Um, in uh, in one of my Gamma World adventures that I ran. Uh, the University of Vermont Extension Service had they they they're an ag branch of the University of Vermont uh, had a computer that was controlling uh, hybrid and mutant maple trees, and the maple trees had seen a video of the manufacture of maple syrup, and so the maple people would go into the human villages and take humans away and drain their blood and turn it into fertilizer. Oh, man. And so the end encounter was realizing that it, the computer was just showing this video to the seedlings as they were growing in the cloning vats, and they just had to press stop. Yikes. So, so yeah, uh, a big bad evil guy... Your boss, your end game, your villain, your encounter, 
uh, doesn't have to be a person. Um, I think it's easiest, you know, if you're a new DM, start off with, you know, a, a bandit leader or some, you know, simpler villain. Um, but it really could be any encounter. That's sort of what I'm. Yeah, what and, I want to say. We, I, I say it all the time. Uh, read and and look at literature and look at the Appendix N. Like there, there's a bunch of Appendix N material out on the internet there's a couple of brilliant podcasts but there are villains right and and stories that have clear bad people at the end right orchestrating things mm -hmm. like count count rugen and um prince humperdinck in the yep. princess bride right those are those are villains you know your classic villain i'm thinking disney villains right, right. yzma Maleficent from the cartoon, not the not the live action stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think of male villains because I'm Jafar. thinking of female. Jafar, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, Jafar, uh, um, uh, Gaston, and Scar, yep, right? Gaston. So those are those are your your classic archetype villainous people, and and I think for me, I start to I I have the that right and especially in a 7th c game because the mechanics have you build those types of people mm -hmm. right yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean the... you've got mechanical instructions for how to build a villain in that and then how to operate the villain during play which which is brilliant because it helps kind of drive that story especially if you're playing uh like a long-term 7th c campaign mm -hmm. right and you've got to that villain's going to be around for a long time, and and the party, the heroes have to chip away at their influence power, so they're not as they can't bring, they can't recruit as many brutes, they can't use call in favors, they they start to lose their power, and they become less and less and less because, let's face it, uh, if you know, pick a villain, any villain, right? Isma, um, Isma, so. If uh, Yzma, even after she kills Kuzco, if she doesn't have enough political pull with the guards, right, is she, is anybody going to listen to her? It's like, oh, no, that's the old emperor's advisor. We're going to pick a new emperor some other way. Just put her in the corner, sure. right? Yep. Um, or with Gaston, right, if, if Gaston gets the crap kicked out of him too many times and he's got a broken leg and a... Uh, and a dislocated shoulder and a black eye, like he can't climb up the tower and fight the beast at the end. He's because mm -hmm. he's gotten the crap kicked out of him. So makes sense. And so that's that's kind of again, I you know I gush over Seven C all the time, but that's one of those mechanics that helps you as a GM. Like, okay, what's my bad guy gonna do today? Well, he's still got a broken leg from the last time he tussled with the with the heroes. Well, he's got some influence power here. Maybe he'll use his influence to get the heroes accused of a crime they didn't commit, or he'll use his influence to hire some assassins to to try and kill the heroes secretly, right? Mm. And and that kind of unfolds. So when I'm thinking about heroes or villains and I'm writing about villains, I think that's my, my big bad guy. My BBEG uh, has that villain archetype. I usually put a person there. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, there's the 
circumstances, right? There's, there's, you're, you're fighting against time itself. Time itself. Your rate. It's a race, right? We, we. There's no bad person. We just have to race through the spaceship and get to the self-destruct mechanism and shut it off before everyone's killed. Yep. Um, we have to. A lot of Call of Cthulhu games, it, it, and that's, I mean, we haven't gotten into that. We talked a little bit about that on uh, Player Death, the Player Death store, uh, episode. Mm -hmm. But there are some games where you, you're just not going to live. Like you, If you sit down to play Call of Cthulhu, the the mortality rate for for characters in Call of Cthulhu is super high. Yeah, well, so, so I mean, in a the, game of Call of Cthulhu, you also may not have an old one present. It may just be horrors of the night. Yeah, and and that's that's actually brings me to a to the other that takes me right where I was headed is that that villain right Isma had Kronk and guards. Yep. Right. Uh, Maleficent had magic, wild magical powers, but she also commanded. She had a raven, and she commanded a large uh, group of of goblins and trolls. Right. Um, another villain that he, big bad guy that comes to mind is the Goblin King from Labyrinth. All right. Played by David Bowie in the movie. Excellent, excellent movie. Right. The Goblin King. When 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 it was appropriate, showed up and used magical powers, but for the most part, he just kept like he had layers of, of things between the young lady whose name escapes me and getting her her brother back. So that's the other thing that I think that new DMs, especially new DMs, remember that if you've got an accomplished villain who sits at the head of an evil enterprise. It's an enterprise, right? Mm -hmm. um, Jeff Bezos, the guy who owns Amazon, doesn't update the item inventory on the website. Right. 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 He and, and Jeff, I'm not saying Jeff Bezos is a villain. I'm just using Amazon as an example, right? He's got a whole group of lieutenants. Sub-villains. Right. Sub-villains, henchmen, hirelings that kind of do his bidding. And then they have a large group. Like there's one henchman. And I'll use. I'll keep using that term, right? There's an Amazon henchman who's responsible for running fulfillment, and that Amazon henchman has henchmen below him or her that run individual fulfillment centers. And then there's a manager at the center and workers at the center. So when you're thinking about a villain, it's really easy to go kind of down the Disney route and say, oh, Scar, we're just going to here. Here he is. Boom. One big bad guy. And it's like, well, hang on. He was a bad guy by himself until he took over the the kingdom and then he had a whole army of hyenas mm -hmm. so so that i think is one place where games can kind of conclude too quickly because a new gm says okay here's my villain i'm just going to throw him up against the party and either the party wipes because the villain's too strong right you don't have a good balance there or if you see the big bad guy in the first encounter 
it's you know hey the party got lucky tonight everyone rolled a couple of critical hits and the villain's gone well so you might well uh, all right so I, i've got two trains of thought going here okay um the the first is that you may also for for new well I, for anybody uh you may also not have a big bad evil guy you might not have a, a villain so to speak you know um like you said it might just be circumstances or it might be like a whole bunch of things that smaller people did and now as a result of uh, a, a council of lesser evils you have large threats or conflicts to deal with um, and then the the second bit is that uh, you could have a, a, a primary villain a BBEG uh, like Strahd who shows up early on and is sort of omnipresent and is always watching and interfering um, uh, I, I think I might have this lower in the notes, um, but like you when, do. when and how they appear, uh, enters and exits for your villain can be important too. Um, so think about you know when, when and how to show the players the villain and um, how often they show up and you know at what power levels. Uh, I had my my party defeated a uh, Cambian, which is a fiend. Um, long before the caldera uh and then at the caldera he showed up and was higher level and um made a reappearance and he was sort of the uh you know the face villain of that adventure was this this demon commander um but the you know the true threat was the end of the world and the ritual that had to be stopped and sure um, so yes you may have villains that are are more present or less present as well and i don't think we've said this yet but you don't need one. Oh no it's not a requirement now i told you to go read all sorts of appendix and literature and and talked about villains and we've talked about david bowie's goblin king and princess bride and a bunch of disney movies but there are tons of modules like tons of modules where there is no final big bad evil guy mm -hmm. right um b2 keep on the borderlands hey there's a canyon over there with a bunch of caves and each cave has you know a collection of bugbears hobgoblins goblins or orcs who've moved in and they're causing trouble in the forest go clean them out right there there's no there's no end boss to use a video game term right yeah uh you just go from you poke your head in one cave and you're like wow those bugbears look really big i'm only level one what about you i'm only level two okay well let's move down the road a little bit poke our head in there hey it's a couple of goblins and they're fighting over a small box with copper coins oh yeah let's let's get them right get them get them uh same thing with uh isle of dread right the the original module that came with uh the expert level of dungeons and dragons that's just a hex crawl and that's it there's there's no you, you know I, I i think the last hex crawl i played was uh tomb of annihilation right and you leave oh, yeah. port naranzaru and you're tr trucking around through uh the jungles of cholt and, and you're looking for the 
the the big bad's tomb and uh and it's like yeah i mean we you could you could have played that whole game as just a jungle exploration it, it really depends on the type of story uh you're trying to tell right that's the big the big thing and as a as a dm or gm i, I don't feel the need to drive my players uh, to a conflict with the bad guy. Okay. Unless we're Makes unless sense. we're playing a module. I mean, if we're playing a module that has like a de- predefined beginning, middle, and end, and the end is you fight the big bad guy. Right. We're playing a module. We all know we're playing the module. We'll play the module uh, and and try to get to the end of excuse me the end of the story like Curse of Strahd, right? Yeah. The the whole point of Curse of Strahd is to kill Strahd and get out of Barovia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for my character, that that was that was his thing. It's like a vampire. You know, he's a lawful good dwarven cleric. Vampires are bad. Uh, Barovia is not a nice place. I miss Faerun. I'm going to kill this vampire and hope that some way I find some way to get home. And and, um, and so that that was kind of the driving force. And then it was just a matter of how do we get to position where we can we can inflict harm on him i the problem i have with curse of strahd and and i've played it but i haven't read it so i'll I'll put that disclaimer out there i have read it but i haven't played it i i felt it was very disjointed oh okay i playing it i felt that there wasn't a compelling plot you can you can introduce different locations at different times depending on where your party is at and their progression. Okay. Um, so it's kind of built to be that way, and I, I think if it's not strung together in a, a way that makes sense, then maybe it's just not being delivered as written. But that's that's this it one felt of the reasons. It felt very I'd... sandboxy to me, and that was. That was one of the things that kind of threw threw me off as a player. It's like, I'm not really like, hey, I met this guy and I met these gypsies and they might be werewolves. Well, are werewolves good or bad in, in Barovia? I don't know. Oh, yeah. You just don't have the information yet. Yeah, I don't have the information. And then the party got into a tussle and started killing werewolves. And it's like, oh, I guess werewolves are bad. So let's kill them. And and part of, part of that is me having played far too much World of Darkness and having an affinity towards Toreador vampires uh, and... Uh, red talon tribe werewolves uh it's like do i really want to kill these guys like i love werewolves i guess my dwarf care my you know jack the player loves werewolves uh chappy the dwarf cleric probably doesn't so yeah okay let's start swinging the hammer and taking them out Mm -hmm. but it didn't but there wasn't a reason i didn't feel like i had a a a direction right and and again that comes from playing a lot of i've been playing for a long time i play all play i have played a lot of old school modules which are kind of on rails right Mm -hmm. uh or pathfinder adventure paths which are also kind of on rails that's the that's the thing oh and and we talked about end encounters right if you look at skull and shackles they have a race. They have the pirate regatta is the end of one of the modules. Oh, that's, that's a cool idea. So, 
if uh, if you win the race, the reward is an island. Ooh. So you if you end the module and you win the race, you start the next module with, hey, we've got this island, but it's full of dinosaurs and cyclopses. And if we want to operate our pirate ship off of the island, we have to clean it up. Hmm. Um, that's kind of where I'm stuck in the card game right now, actually. I've won the, in the Pathfinder Adventure card game, I won the Riata, and now I'm stuck on the island because my, my Pathfinder Adventure card game characters aren't haven't leveled up enough to be able to defeat the dinosaurs. Uh, well, that's a, that's a good good little lead in. A straight like a, a a reward that is the next villain. Which is an interesting concept. Um so if you are if you're writing a villain for one of your stories, we don't have to get We've talked about 7C a lot lately, and I know that's going to be fresh. Um, so just from you know the, the GM writer standpoint, where do you start when you are doing, when you're designing villains? So it depends, right? Uh, with 7C, uh, I've been, I've, I've had the plot that I, I've kind of sketched out in 7C. I, I have a it's not really a flow chart. It's more of a mind map or a fishbone diagram of where I think things might go. Sure. Um, so that's kind of where I start. It's like I started with the, the painter, the drunk old man who was estranged from his daughter. And, and I wanted to tell that story, right? I wanted to tell a story of a parent apologizing for being bad to their children. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a very powerful story. Uh, and so once I had that kind of concept, like the heroes are going to help this family deal with this issue. Well, how did they get there? And so then I, then I asked the question, how, how did they arrive at this point where they're estranged? And then the villains started to kind of show up like, Oh, the, the, the old gentleman runs a school and his number two is trying to take the school away from him because he's old and distraught and and self-medicating with wine to get through the day uh, and they're they're gonna get rid of him somehow and then just from from that idea i started to fill in kind of the you know i i ask i ask a lot of the you know the the w's what is it five w's in the h who what who what why when mm -hmm. where and how uh and so who's this guy and how did he get here and why is he here? And then those relationships started to unfold and it, and then the villains kind of presented themselves. All right. I've done other. So the other game I'm working on is set in the revolutionary war and those villains I just picked out of history. So gentleman Johnny Burgoyne is a big bad guy. The commanding officer of Fort Ticonderoga, big bad guy. The governor Clinton of New York, the pro the colony of New York, is a big bad guy. All right. And, and so those those so that that those actually came out of historical examples, and I just plugged them in. So 
I basically followed my original advice was, hey, read, read, read fiction, read history and find your villains there. Right. And real history is a good place to find villains as well. There's a lot of sketchy mm-hmm. people uh, in history. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I, I will either have a cool idea for a bad guy um, and then sort of work backwards from the, all right, well, this is the bad guy. Why is he bad? Uh, what is, what does he want? Um, sort of like we talked about on the, the NPC episode where like something that they like and something they avoid, uh, your, your bad guys should have, you know, goals and objectives. Um, so I'll either start with a cool concept for a bad guy and work backwards from there. Um, which I am doing more for the current story arc uh, in my 5e game. Uh, Or I will have a cool idea for the start of an adventure, uh, like I did for the first arc, and the the big bad evil guy, the fight at the volcano that came out of, you know, that two-year arc um, had been created long after the initial... All right, there's going to be these these books from a guy who doesn't exist anymore. Well, why doesn't he exist? Oh, well, his his soul had to be destroyed. Well, well who destroys souls? This god. Um, and so <clears throat> sometimes I will go from having a cool story hook and needing to make a bad guy out of that. Uh, I think both ways. I think both ways work fine. It just sort of depends on where inspiration strikes and and what you get you know, that little initial zap of creativity. Is it about a storyline or is it about a, a villain or is it about something else? And where, where do you start sort of designing your adventure from there? Um, that's probably more adventure development specifically than villains. So I'll, I'll save that bit. But Yeah. But, but the villain, the villain or the, the BBEG fits that fits a, pivotal piece in in the in the adventure mm-hmm. right and and um you talked about villain development and one of the things that that i don't like in stories it's a turn off as a player and it's it's i don't like it as a gm either is what i call cardboard evil what do you mean by that so a cardboard evil villain is just bad they're just bad like if if they have a choice between i'm 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 the i'm the cardboard evil villain and i'm walking down the street and hey there's a child with a piece of candy i'm going to murder the child and take the candy well you don't you're not even hungry why why would you do that well because i'm the villain and every every opportunity I get to do something horrific or mean or evil, I jump on it, whether it is in my own self-interest or whether it advances the story or whether it's just dumb. And we talked a little bit about this during the MPC uh, episode, right? Those mm-hmm. chaotic evil creatures that fight to the death. And it's like, no, you know, just because they're chaotic evil doesn't mean they're going to fight to the death. In fact, it probably means they're more likely to flee if they see a couple of their comrades die, right? The, yeah, they're, they're I, 
selfish and greedy and and selfish and greedy but not so selfish and so greedy that they're just going to constantly act in that chaotic stupid mentality right and and there are modules that have the cardboard evil like this this sorceress is bad she's just evil she's she's totally bad and and every time every chance she gets to to murder steal or or manipulate she does it just out of spite now I have to be careful because I can see or I I do enjoy villains who are acting out with just blind rage. Right? Something has triggered them. Yeah. And and they're just they're broken and they're running to they're like a torpedo that or a missile that's just running until it explodes. There there was an old movie back in the I think it was in the 90s called Falling Down and Michael Douglas's just he just loses his mind uh, and wanders around with a baseball bat hitting people. And, and there's there's other examples in literature as well where people have just they, they just break and then yes they they look like they're cardboard evil but there's a reason why right behind it. Well, I think a lot of new DMs you get cardboard evil as a result of just not having out a fleshed out villain because I've had sort of cardboard evil villains that you know, grew to three dimensions over a little bit of time as me, you know, working with them and trying to refine them, refining their evil. Yeah, yeah. And and that, I mean, the step up from the card, any of these are step ups, right? Uh, we talked about Call of Cthulhu. A lot of the BBEG creatures in Call of Cthulhu are un what I call uncomprehendable, right? We don't know why the Migos are collecting human brains and putting them in, in metal cylinders. We'll never know, right? Because the moment we get near Amigo, they're going to collect our brain. Right. Is this a, this isn't another bad evil thing, right? Cardboard evil is something to avoid. Uncomprehendable is a good well, I think Uncomprehendable, I think, is is it's different, right? Uh, cardboard evil is is. I, I just watched the Flash Gordon movie from the eighties. Um, Ming the Merciless is is a good example of cardboard evil. He's just bad, right? He mm -hmm. he is destroying the earth because he thinks it's funny. Uh, he executes people because they spilled a drink. Like everything he does is just that cardboard cartoon evil um, where the uncomprehendable motives, big, bad it is um, it's aliens. Just too, too grand. Th think, right. Think, think about, um, think about uh, which one alien resurrection, right? The alien resurrection movie Sigourney Weaver is, walking around right and the aliens they attack a bunch of people but they don't attack her and you're like well what why is that and and that's that happens in call of cthulhu all the time where right the hound of tindalos is chasing after you and it rips somebody's foot off and then it disappears yep and and it's and it's it's very clear that that whatever's happening could have wiped the whole party out but 
I've got one character who's bleeding profusely from an avulsion of their of their lower extremities, and the rest of the characters are like, "Where did this thing go? And why is it?" But it's it's not knowable, like right. why this is happening and what that ultimate evil looks like is not not there, right? So mm-hmm. no, I I, I kind of like I kind of like that, but I I am a player. And a DM who likes the mystery and and having things be uh, like I don't I don't know greater than you could know you know yes yep that's and, and we've t- I've talked a little bit about that like I there there are certain things in games that I'll ignore and I'm looking at you World of Darkness uh, where things like the the direct lineage you can track your lineage from you t- through your sire back to Cain of of the book of Genesis who murdered his brother and became the first vampire um, I don't like that right okay uh, if you read the interview with the vampire Lestat doesn't know how he became a vampire just one day some wandering vampire bit him turned into him turned him into a vampire said stay out of the sun and then disappeared mm-hmm all right. And he had to work it out on his own. And then he embraces Lewis uh, in New Orleans. And then they embrace Claudia, which is a crime in vampire society. Of course, they're the only two vampires they've ever met. And they live in, you know, uh, colonial New Orleans. So they didn't know what they did was a crime. They don't know what they did was a crime until they go to Europe and they run into more vampires mm-hmm. so so that mystery that that unknown i think i enjoy yeah if it makes the game feel more immersive and more realistic because there's a ton of stuff in the real world i don't know right right it gives you so, that that knob it gives you um the the feelings of novelty as well because if you are playing a module if you're playing a module that everyone's read or if you're playing a game where uh, you've got experienced players who you know know the monster manual they know the DMG um, they they're gonna expect a trap or a villain or something to go a certain way and when it doesn't you get that wait what that that spark of novelty um, that helps make adventures memorable yeah i think my favorite villains are and and of course this is i'm a product of late 20th century literature and and pop culture so there's always the villain right the Mm anti-hero in literature who's not a hero but not acting in a villainous capacity, like Johnny Blaze, the the Ghost Rider, um, Spider Man, when he first gets bitten, right? He's he's in it for himself until uh, his uncle gets killed. That's not a spoiler. That's been canon a yeah. hundred years. Um, Punisher, right? His family gets killed by the mob, and he's just collects a bunch of guns and just goes and starts shooting vigilante stuff. Batman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like villains who have a reason for what they're doing. It's just that 
they have fallen into the ends justify the means trap and they're going down that road like it, the kingdom will be better the, the the kingdom will be better and we won't have criminals if we find all of the devil worshipers and slay them and you say sure okay you know that that's okay well to expose devil worshipers we're gonna have to start torturing people it's like oh time out <laughs> hang on <laughs> You've, you've crossed that line. And, and again, I, back to gushing over John Wick's Seventh Sea, there's a whole set of mechanics for player characters who cross the line, right? We've got to get this information. We've got to get it now. We're going to torture somebody, right? We, we need to return this poor kidnapped woman to her husband. We're going to hit her on the head and give her a concussion. Uh, hang on. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Some of that's some of that's a little tricky because I I like illustrating that you know all most well most evil has some good to it and most good people have some evil to them. So slips like that can be okay. But you're right. If that's their whole, if that's their entire villainous personality, then. Or, or if they've been on the slippery, I know I'm using a logical fallacy, but if they've been on the slippery slope for too long, yep. right? And, you know, yes, I originally was just killing devils, and then I started killing devil worshippers, and then I started killing devil worshipper cultists, and then I realized that the blacksmiths are making pentagrams. Um, they don't know that they're doing it for the devil worshipers, but then I started arresting and imprisoning and torturing the blacksmiths. And now, you know, now that I've been doing this for years, it's too late. Mm -hmm. It's too late for me to go back uh, and, and kind of redeem myself. I, I'm just going to keep going down this path and I'm trying to make the world better, but I'm hurting other people in the process. Right. Or I'm trying to make my life better and I don't care who gets hurt chaotic evil chaotic evil not chaotic stupid yep <laughs> um how we, we've talked about how you can have different kinds of of evil things be it people or or items or encounters or traps or villages um how how do you choose most most often to use a a big bad evil guy in the narrative of the the stories and adventures that you write so again it it kind of depends on if the story if it makes sense thematically and with the plot that i'm kind of sketching out mm -hmm. if there's a big bad someplace pulling strings and like you found out in The Painter and the Pirate, there's a villain. There, there's a BBEL, a big bad evil lady. And there's no, there, you don't confront her at all. Right. She, she well, is, right she's, at the end. At, right at the end, she can, she makes an appearance and she has a, she has a function. Uh, but, but it's not she's she's not strong right you're not building up to go fight her right uh, she's kind of in the back pulling strings 
and it it's kind of so so sometimes i'll i'll write a story and i'll think about a villain but you won't see the villain okay right you may see evidence of the villain's activity you may see uh hirelings and henchmen you may see traps and 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 that kind of stuff but you don't actually get to the end and fight the bad guy so uh, i'm thinking about tomb of horrors where at the very if you finish tomb of horrors right you face off against the ancient lick but you don't fight him he never shows up until the very end that's i think it's Asarak is his name um he, he's not strahd either he doesn't show up and taunt you he's it's <laughs> it feels like a game of boss monster right you've got this big long uh bunch of traps that you have to get through and monsters you have to fight and puzzles you have to solve and you get to the treasure room and there's the skull sitting on a pile of dust and as soon as you walk into the treasure room boom the lick manifests himself and you fight the lick yeah uh, those can be I, those those are fun they are fun and that's that's kind of that's that's a very old school um way of doing doing things but you you don't need that lick there well, right. you you should have something there. I mean, he could he could have built that and moved away and just left these traps. I mean, because chaotic evil, right? I can disarm all these traps yeah, in case guess, kids yeah. find their way down here. But if kids find their way down here, they deserve to lose a leg. Ha ha ha! And I go off someplace else, right? And I just leave behind my dungeon. So sometimes just the evidence is enough uh, of of the big bad guy. Here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. How do you play your BBEG when the when when it's time for that encounter? Uh, well, it depends on if they're more of the the omnipresent. They've been there. They've showed up a couple of times, or they're they're just there at the end. Um, if it's the just there at the end. Uh, then the the party are interlopers, and uh, the the big bad evil guy is going to be pretty. Um, well, it's, I guess it depends too on on this. There's a lot. There's a lot of questions to be answered. Um, I I like mysteries and intrigue, so I try to play my big bad evil guys as maybe a little bit more big bad or evil than they you know normally would be um or as big as they should be and then reveal that you know the party is actually just fighting henchmen and the truth is worse than they had thought um so if it is a villain who is supposed to show up a couple of times um like my the the demon the commander cambian that i mentioned earlier um he show up. He showed up. Was was cocky and indignant. <sighs> Excuse me. Yeah, uh, don't do that. You're making me yawn. I know. <laughs> uh, he showed up. Was cocky and indignant, and he was a demon. So he fought until he was destroyed, and then laughed as his soul went back to the abyss. Um, yeah, because in a hundred years he just gets to come back anyway. Yeah, I mean, I brought him back sooner than that, but yeah. Um, I, I also don't have a canonical abyss. I've got my own 
uh, pantheon and, and realm cosmology. So, um, and then the second time he came back, uh, he was a little stronger, but he was, he was a little smarter in the way that I, I played him tactically as well. Uh, so if your players are encountering recurring villains, then it's a good idea to ex both expect your party to be learning something about them as well as having them learn something about your party. So if there was one guy from the party who was casting hold person and it messed him up real bad, well, that guy's getting... Uh, you're going to bring a, a counterspell demon. Um, and, yeah, but the... And the villain should grow from the part. I mean, that's that's the beauty of tabletop roleplay games over something like video games, where if you play Assassin's Creed and you have to go get this guy, he, he says the same five things. It's the same cutscene. He has the same oh, sure. tag. He doesn't he doesn't change or develop, right? Right. Uh, where in a tabletop roleplay game, that villain comes in, they tussle with the party a little bit, they leave. They'll know what to do better next time. They'll be more dangerous, potentially. Uh, or they'll counter what the party did. Ah, that party th threw fireball after fireball after fireball at me. But before I fight them again, I'm going to get me a ring of uh, you know, fire protection. Yep. Um, if it is a, a single villain at the end of a dungeon, uh, either who's, you know been sort of biding their time getting ready um, or just sort of stumbled upon showed up and there they are um, then then yeah the the party are interlopers and that villain is going to uh, you know they've already got their sort of back in the wall animal mentality about it they're gonna fight until they die and defend all of the stuff that they've collected mm -hmm. um, I think if it is a smarter villain, uh, like a lich is going to have a phylactery, or if it's a, a dragon's lair, um, the the dragon, depending on the color and how taunted it's been, may leave and return once it is stronger and or older. Um, I mean, that's that's one of the hard parts about playing, especially non-human villains, mm -hmm. is that. It, that a dragon that will live for 6,000 years, okay, there's a bunch of these humans in my cave, and they can't carry all of my treasure out because there's just too much of it physically, right? And right. You, have to, you have to have a GM that's enforcing encumbrance rules. But um, so, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll try to eat them. And if the battle doesn't go well for me, you know, I've got another... 4,000 years to amass treasure and and find a different cave like why why would I sit here and and scratch and bite and try to kill these people and and potentially die right right that's that's I mean that goes back to that cardboard a cardboard evil red dragon right hey you're in my you're in my house I'm gonna kill you Rawr. right Rawr. I'm gonna fight you I'm gonna fight you to my last hit point and it's like <laughs> A, you're probably 2,000 years old already, and you've eaten your share of adventurers. <laughs> you would probably size this group up fairly quickly and go, yeah, I'm not going to win this one. Right. Or, yeah, I'm going to let them have the treasure. I'm going to let them, you know, I'll flee, and 
wait for them to bring their carts and oxen and and try to cart my treasure away and then I'll show back up and you know we'll have some barbecued brisket <laughs> barbecued dwarf so so I think that's I mean that's the other thing that bugs me um, as a player or I should say it bugs me it, it's not as enthralling it's not as entertaining as a player when the dm just says oh i got a breath weapon i can use every three rounds bite bite claw, bite claw claw tail all right so this turn i'm going to use bite and claw now i'm going to use tail and breath and now it, you know they just kind of they it's more mechanical than it's ever. yeah it's like a mechanical loop of this is it, it's like it's it, it again feels that starts to feel more like a video game it's like okay right uh we're we're battling you know pick your favorite raid boss in in world of warcraft anixia so we're in the first phase mm -hmm. of the anixia fight she's gonna do she's gonna do this attack then this attack then this attack then she's gonna roar and then she's gonna do this so you gotta be this far away so you don't get thrown into the whelps uh and then you gotta do this so it, it just starts to become kind of formulaic and it loses that right like fantasy aspect for me mm -hmm. you gotta get creative with it sometimes sometimes you do a, a good dm will will mm -hmm. it, it will be more than okay bite claw next turn tail claw next turn breath weapon spell it's like well right you, you're gonna have you your know. your lair actions and your legendary actions and you it's a lot to keep track of as a dm so if you're if you're a newer dm and you're making a bad guy something simple can be just as satisfying as something complex yes um, depends Absolutely. on sort of the experience level of your party and you and and what you're all going for exactly right but that's a session zero thing if you want this heroic glorious adventure where you all beat the bad guy then you know you sort of know okay this guy should show up once or twice and give them that you know maleficent showing up to to make the prophecy when she's just a baby and then showing up ever so briefly 16 years later and then to make again, sure that aurora pricks her finger and then capturing prince cheater pants and throwing him in the dungeon right all, right. She, all she really needed to do was fairy proof her castle and those three idiots wouldn't have been able to bust him out um so so something simple but uh recurring appearances can be can be a, another way to make a bad guy feel like a bad guy. Um, and, and then I think the other thing that makes a bad guy really bad is having that kind of perspective, putting your mind as the DM going in and thinking about, okay, what is Strahd really after with this party? Like, what is he doing here? Fun. He's just having fun, right? He's, yep. He's picking on these these fools. He's way more powerful than they are when when you first show up in Barovia, and he's making fun. He's like, I'm bored, right? I'm I'm a however many hundred year old vampire Strahd is, right? You know, I've been around for four or five hundred years. I've eat, you know, I've I've drank all the different kinds of blood. I've had all sorts of liaisons with all sorts of different uh, people. Uh, to entertain myself and I've read a bunch of books and I can play seven musical instruments and 
what am I doing today? It's like, well, you know, Messing TV has people who got lost in Barovia. T- TV hasn't been invented. And look at those fools. Hey, let's run them around Barovia and see if we can, make, you know, cause them trouble. And and that's all he's doing. Right. He's having a laugh. Right. But so if you if you kind of sketch that out. Right. Then his interactions are going to be more natural and his combats will be more natural, too. Right. He might start out way underpowered or he might be bored and he might go right to finger of death you know sure. on his on his first go because he's like okay play things you were you were cute toys but you're done now finger of death you know mm-hmm. legendary action too like and and start that scene off with some really horrific uh combat actions or depending on the system you're playing the system may provide that for you. So I'm thinking about Alien. Sure. Be- because the Xenomorphs are kind of the big bad end yeah, guys. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Everybody knows what the villains are. Right. And when the Xenos show up and they get within close combat range, you're going to die. It's, it's just... Wow. Well, okay, so you're it's, not going to It's die. a challenging fight, yeah, but you can right. do it. You're gonna take you're gonna take some damage. There's gonna be some acid splashing around, but the there's actually a table for the mug for for the mother for the game mother. Uh, that's the GM in in Alien. It's named after the computer in the first movie. But the game mother will have just roll a d6, and there's a table that says this time it just stares at you and snarls. Make a panic roll. Right, and you, you're not going to take any physical damage. It's just looking at you and doing the screech, and you know we're going to see if you wet yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's like tail whips and other things, but but that creates that kind of uncomprehensible. Like I'm in this, I'm we're fighting. You know, it's the third round of combat. I've only got like two hit points left, and. The, the Xeno, yeah, it hit you with a tail and it tried to poison you last turn. Uh, this turn, it just flips its head sideways and screeches at you. And disappears it, into the ship. It doesn't attack? Nope, doesn't attack. Oh, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> breather. You know, if yeah. you, as long as you don't flub your panic roll. Um, you know, I get one more round. I, I might live I might live out of this, right? Mm-hmm. So, So that, and then paranoia has that same uh idea with the computer right there there's a you roll the computer die there's a deck there there is a deck of computer activity cards that can help you if you if you're not familiar with with paranoia's world but uh that's that's also and that actually happens every time a player makes a roll they roll the computer die and there's a one in six chance that the computer will interject into what's going on in the in the in the setting or in the scene, right? Which is hilarious because um, we we've done some really nutty things. The computer, of course, the computer's insane; it's going crazy. So mm-hmm. so it can it can change. Like I, I'm sending you, I'm sending you to do a plumbing job. Go get the green duffel bag and then you roll the computer die when you're picking up the bag uh the computer says why are you picking up the green duffel bag you're supposed to be picking up the orange duffel bag it's like no no my order says green duffel bag it's like you're arguing with me you're a traitor (laughs) 
and and now the loyalty officer either has to administer you a drug or shoot you because you're a traitor. Um, but that that that's one of those games where the big bad evil guy, the the computer, the computer is your friend. Of course, I would never <laughs> insinuate the computer is evil, but friend computer can interject in the middle of anything. Chaotic neutral. Uh, I think he's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So broke broken crazy. Yeah. That um, that was fun. It was very fun. Mops. We we gave the troubleshooters mops to solve a plumbing problem where they had to unbolt a drain, and so so they finally get there and they're like, "We don't have a wrench," and the computer's like, "You don't need a wrench." Well, we it's gave like, you mops. You have the mop. Use the mop to to solve the problem. <laughs> Um, I think another uh, we we talked a bunch about a different a number of different systems uh, at the close of last episode. Yep. We kind of do that where we like wind down on our topic and then start talking about how it applies to all the things that we like. Um, right. Ten candles is kind of that uncomprehensible. Uh, you've got at least in the the module, well, not module, but in the story hook that we played. Um, it the the objective is to get to from a resort on an island to a boat on the north side of the island to this little little island with a lighthouse on a little bit off the coast um, and if we could get to the lighthouse we could you know tell people what happened or maybe save some people because in 10 candles all of the player characters are supposed to die by the end of by the end of it um and and so the bad guys in that were just called them and it was this really amorphous i don't i don't know if we ever saw or knew what them was but we caught like long shadows or like people that behaved very strangely um but it was never distinctly clear if it was you know a a, a disease or worms or aliens or what uh, oh cool and that, yeah, that leads to, uh, it's an interesting idea having, you know, a bad guy that nobody knows what is, but it doesn't matter what the bad guy is, because if you can escort the townspeople through this underground passageway and avoiding, you know, the goblins and the gricks and, and them, um, then you can, you know, you free the townspeople and you get a reward at the end. So... You know, pulling. It's. I really like the idea of uncomprehensible, and I wish there was a little bit more of that. Uh, I keep finding myself tracking back to it in my mind, thinking, "How can I do that? How can I do that?" I think it's hard. It's very hard to do because it's such a. Again, this is easier to do in some systems than other systems. In Ten Candles, oh, yeah. it, it works really well. Mm -hmm. um, in Call of Cthulhu, it works really well. Because the the elder ones are so strange and beyond human comprehension, I th I think it's hard to get players motivated when it, it's almost like there's no chance of winning. Like th this thing is so big oh, yep. and so imposing and so soul crushing. I can pick up my sword and. And venture off, and I know I'm gonna 
like I'm not gonna make a difference. You know, I, yeah, I'm gonna. You, you gotta, you gotta have that feeling of hope. Right. I, I'm, I'm one dwarf warrior who's been separated from my squad, and I step foot in Menzo Baron's on. Right. I'm gonna die. But you've got, you've got the, you've got that hope of going on. You know, you've right. got to. We have a good, like in, uh, yeah, uncomprehensible doesn't mean indefeatable. Invincible, right? And yeah. that's. That, and that's I think that's something we haven't talked about was the the invincibility of of a villain sure so or the power of a villain we've talked a little bit about trying to balance uh, the encounter like when the villain shows up make sure the party understands what's going on like hey here's Strad here's Strad and you're level sevens and he's level 24 and he will stomp you in the ground if you get sassy um, and sometimes you have to teach the party that by killing an npc or killing the ground killing a party member or taking almost everybody in the party down to zero uh and or you know if you're straw and you're like yeah this group of toys they're not fun anymore i'll kill them all and wait for the next group and then you know you just roll your next set of characters and come in sure but but there has to be that kind of unless it's a game where you're expecting to fight to the death and you're you're not expecting to finish the game with a live character there should be some kind of this is surmountable defeatable there we can we can we can win right and i know winning in in role play games is you can't really win but right uh, you can succeed that's the word i'm looking for right? yeah 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 in in some sometime you know in confronting this bbeg there's a way for us to confront this thing and succeed or confront it and move on. Right. 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 Especially like if your bad guy is a trap room or uh, a curse, like you're it's how to defeat it might be part of the adventure, right? You might be solving the mystery to get the items that you need to defeat the bad guy. Um, But uh, one of the parts of having an uncomprehensible bad guy is that, players might read that as uh you know not incomprehensible but unknowable like mm-hmm. you you want them they, they may not have a goal and they may be less inclined to pursue that um so e- even with incomprehensible baddies you'd want you'd still want your players to have a sense of a goal right and that's how they'll be able to to get that accomplishment at the end that that's the hope that they will find like we, yep we're gonna get through the tunnel full of drow and if we can get you know half the village out before we die then we'll have saved a hundred lives and and we'll be remembered as heroes and that'll be terrific yeah um, which is good yeah i mean it's like I don't, a game like 10 candles really gives you the your players don't have to be centralized heroes who survive and are legends for a century in order to be you know winners or heroes sure um, it's those sort of small meaningful victories could be just as important as the guy who ends up dealing the final eight damage to the dragon and, and i think that's one of the the charming aspects of dungeon crawl classics is that it gives you lots of those little moments yeah and when you die it's like oh okay cool i i'll i'll just grab another character yep we'll remember him who threw himself down so we could cross over the spike trap right or uh, jim was it joe 
you know, there, there, yeah, there's Jim, and Jim was the first to walk into the the room with a granite statue pointing at the door, and now we know that the granite statue pointing at the door shoots fire. Th- thanks, Jim. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Jim. You will be remembered. <laughs> but you don't invest a lot of time in Jim, right? Jim is right. one of four character sheets in front of you. Uh, it takes six minutes to roll up four characters. Uh, or you go onto the website Purple Sorcerer and you get four characters in the click of a mouse. Oh, neat. Right? And, and you're like, okay, cool. I got four level zero vanilla DCC characters. Very cool. Uh, and and uh, yeah, the, that website's really, really... There's even an Android iPhone app that'll just make four level zeros for you. Ah, very cool. So yeah, it doesn't take doesn't take a lot of time. You don't spend a lot of time writing backstories and all that kind of stuff because you know that you know I had Jim and Jim burned up, and now I've got Fred. And Fred walks into the room with the with the throne, and look at that big snake that just popped out of the ceiling and hits <laughs> Fred for eight points of damage. Well, Fred Fred's got dead. two HP. And, okay, well the snake bites Fred in half, and everybody else in the room now readies their weapons and and they're ready to fight the snake, but. Um, yeah yeah balance is important and then trying to and i guess i'm I'm gonna go back i don't know if we're doing closing thoughts yet or not but yeah we're we're, we're um, close but we're kind of winding down sort of the last topic here i'm gonna go back to that try to try as a dm to spend some time kind of with your villain and lay out kind of what they would do in certain situations. And, and and I'm not saying you have to do fishbone diagrams or mind maps or write like hundreds of pages. Chart. But yeah, you know, even even a D6 chart or or just kind of like motivations for and, and I, I'm I'm thinking more at higher levels now. So yeah. like at the end of Q1, Queen of the Demon Web Pits, you face off against Lolth herself. And it's she's got stats and she's got hit points and potentially you could roll enough dice to kill her. But she's got like her spells are ridiculous. Like she's got four wishes. Well, she is a god. And she's a god, right? I mean, she's a goddess. Um, and, and of course, back then she was a minor goddess, right? Uh, that was before Bob Salvatore wrote his books or Ed Greenwood did any of his. I mean, this is the original GDQ series uh, from the old TSR in the 1980s. But but if you're doing that, like Strahd, Tiamat at the Curse of Dragons, right? Oh, sure. Y- you know, if, if you're going to DM one of these really big epic villains, do your players a favor and it, it does again you don't have to do weekends of research but do a few google searches and and figure out who tiamat is and some of the module gives you some of that but there's lots of canon online yeah. right um look at the stats look at the adventure think about kind of what's going on at the end of that when you face off against the big bad um Right. I'm, and don't hold I, back too, because like Tiamat will suffer no mortals. Like you are right. 
that's one of the so that I'll that'll be my I'll tack on my closing idea here that depending on you know as you are are spending time with your bad guy and finding out what they want and who they are I've got a bad guy uh, that I have uh, I need to do some more development on um, from one of my the, the newest player to join my group had this tremendous backstory that he was a uh, basically a soldier for a war band and the guy who leads the war band is just called the huntsman and he escaped the war band and uh, somewhat recently uh, one of the huntsman's uh, goons I get henchmen is what we said earlier um, came to find him and 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 hunt him basically um, easily thwarted uh, I miscalculated the difficulty of that encounter and it was much easier than it should have been. Uh, that being said, I now have the chance to work on this this other guy as a future big bad evil guy. And as I am spending time with him, I am I am trying to think, you know, what what does he want? What are his goals? Uh, I I know, you know, who he is and what he wants. I'm gonna. I still need to come up with how he arrived there, and what exactly mechanically his his power is like. If he if what class he is, that sort of stuff. Um, the crunch. Uh, but another part of that will be both the lethality of that crunch, and how willing he is to be lethal in his flavor. Um, and and I think that that's where you were going is like how how would and we talked about it a little bit earlier too you know an intelligent dragon might just run away um, but if it is your big bad evil guy you know do they escape do they fight to the death um, how how does their story how could their story end. Or how could your players resolve their story? Right. And and I think that, yes, I, I'd like to tack on to that and say, depending on how your session zero goes, don't softball your villain. Right? Unless if, they if, need if, to be. Right? No? I, I, you softballed I mean, Paolo. No. No, I didn't. He is he he does not have a high strength. He has a lot of influence, and all right. Um, what you guys were doing was chipping away at his influence. He only got one scheme finished. Well, all right. And he reinvested those points in his big scheme, um, but you you again with Seven C, you don't necessarily see the villain side of the the story. Um, but no, I, I, I think that, again, you got to keep it fun. So having Strahd finger of death everybody in the first round and kill them, <laughs> you know, TPK, roll for initiative. Okay, Strahd goes first, TPK. Start yeah, rolling up new well, characters, that's... right? That, that's not good. Um, unless the party it did, right? You know, I'm level three. We're all level three. We all just got to, you know, I forget when you get your stat bump, but, you know, now now my barbarian has a 19 strength. Uh, 
let's go get Strahd. It's like, you're level three. We're going to go get Strahd. We're going to the castle right now. It's like, you're level three. <laughs> We're doing it. Okay, you're doing it. You're dead. <laughs> right? Um, but I think that's, again, it's the risk reward, right? Sure. If if I, if if I get to Strahd and he's sitting in his throne and he's sipping a chalice of blood and he's like, oh, I'm so bored. Like, just kill me. I'm so done. And he just like doesn't react and lets him, eat, you know, steaks and get his head chopped off. Then Yeah, that's true. It's that's not good. I mean, I mean if you want to see the end of of a villainous vampire done right netflix castlevania oh sure and and see the season finale for is it season one or season two 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 so yeah watch the season finale of season two you don't i mean watch the whole thing it's brilliant but if you just want to see a, a vampire who and and right he's done he's bored He's sad. He's depressed. He doesn't really want to be in the world anymore. The boss vampire, Dracula, and and but he's he's not giving up without a fight. He's not right. Not right? a pushover. He's still villain. He's he still a, has rage right. to get out. He has rage and power, and he's t- lashing out, and it's it's brilliant. Uh, but people get hurt. People get killed. Characters die, uh, and and it's um. There's this high risk, high reward kind of kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. You don't rob your players of those moments just because you like. Wow, you know she's got Loth has four wishes. Yep. No, it should still you know? be heroic, and it should and... be heroic. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to walk out of there with Loth's head on a pike, right? right? She's a god. It could just mean you walk out of there. Period. Right. Like <laughs> you're alive. Well, or you you inconvenience her for the next decade, right? She can't manifest one of her forms for a decade. Sure. Or, um, you know, the the grand temple in uh, Chednazad crumbles to the ground. Or or she stops granting spells to her priestesses. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing too that bugged me about the end of Q one is imagine. I'm just I'm just gonna say this, right? Imagine in the real world some group of commandos take out the Pope or wipe out uh, a senior leader. Now, of course, they're not a god, right? The Pope's not God. But there's like a whole religious infrastructure devoted to that deity. Right. Devoted, well, not the DD, but devoted to that organization. Mm-hmm. Like that—that that was one of the things that I was kind of like, okay, hey, cool, we got her. And at the end of the, you know, we're we're walking out of the demon web pits. We're gating out of the abyss back into well, Greyhawk. You'd, you'd be under attack. And it's like all those priestess drow priestesses who aren't getting spells now. What do you think they're gonna do? <laughs> yeah like we we didn't talk about this and well you mentioned it like having the reward be another villain and if you take out a high enough villain 
who feels like that was the other thing the end of curse of strahd i mean we we finished curse of strahd and we're like cool hey good fight good job you know what's what are we going to play next but if we had played out like the okay cool i want to go home like strahd's the power in barovia who takes his place there's a there are a couple of options in the book for that okay um, I don't think we see. I don't think we once we beat him, we were like, "Oh gosh, this is done. We're done." Um, yeah, and, and so, we did yeah, having a good trail off, right? So giving right. giving a villain a good farewell. Like, do they continue to be a villain? Are they gone? Um, and that I think you would get some of the answers from that from your comment of you know sit with your villain, think about their goals, and you know if they. Uh, like the movie Mastermind, Will Ferrell. Like if you get if you get it and you win and your bad guy has everything that they want, what? So what? What next? Right. Um, and sometimes, I, you know, with modules, it, it kind of ends. And in in living games, as a new DM, it can be hard to figure out exactly the influence that everything has. Um, and you mentioned it earlier, and now I'm I'm remembering it um, as as real time unravels around your players so should real-time unravel around your villains and while your players are learning information and getting stronger your villain is also you know do does your villain know that your players know that he knows that they know something and how does that impact his or her or their preparation of their lair for when the party is coming um there's yeah i don't know it's a lot to think about um Encounter design is probably something that we should talk about more in the future. Um, you know, be it, I think balancing might have to be sort of system dependent. Um, but, but creating encounters of variable difficulty and uh, how to work the bad guy, their ability, their wishes, their goals, and the role that they play in the world or the story. Uh, both that you are experiencing and the sort of grander story or the grander world beyond them. Um, and that's that's a lot. Uh, but I think that we, we've probably given a pretty good pretty good idea of sort of, you know, what, what you want to do with a bad guy, how to start thinking about him, examples. Um, do you have any, any other sort of closing thoughts? Um... Yeah, not don't shortchange them. Yeah, I mean they they should be. Oh yes, so like her, heroic feeling, uh, and we've talked about this before. Where like a success doesn't have to be one hundred percent success. Uh, maybe you kill Strahd, and the magic that was holding the castle together collapses, and you all are buried in the rubble. And that's a way to end the story, have your heroic moment, and sort of resolve where they resolve the character story get closure um where you know you kill the goblin queen and return to the village and you you never go back and talk to the mayor and get your reward it's sort of that unsatisfying there's no celebration sure so like well, i guess for a dm uh plan for one session after the bad guys defeated give your players that celebration that respite the rp afterwards the the reward, whatever it is, let them wallow in their glory. 
Yeah, that's that's important. That 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 kind of that's that's again we go back to the French word, right? Denouement, which is to untie. It's it's the kind of end of the story and and so far so far right and if, if it's the end of the chapter or the end of the because you do you I, and you you've played with me for long enough to know that i love the cliffhanger like i will end every i try to end every wednesday on a cliffhanger or on a you know a, a branch point like yeah okay hey we've played and it's eight eight thirty five and and we're we're done for the night this you know this is where we are and it's like oh gosh what are we gonna do and it gives you a week to think about that like what are we gonna do and how are we gonna deal with this and and but it's it's fun but at some point you kind of need that that break that breather right mm-hmm. um rest and 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 we haven't talked about the five minute work week but <laughs> yeah um no, we'll, i'm not we'll talking about a long i'm not talking about a long rest D long rest i'm talking about a a pause in the action and again you look at great literature right uh the lord of the rings there's there's passages in that book where they're traveling right uh it's not it's not constantly fighting and fighting and running and fighting and chasing and throwing a ring in the volcano. Most people know that it's almost all just traveling. Right. It's, it's uh, if you, I, I remember the quote from clerks, right? Three movies of, of a bunch walking. of guys walking, walk into a volcano. Uh, and, and yeah, some of the movies have those kind of long traveling scenes and, and that's, that gives you a chance. It, it creates space so that the action is more epic. And and I guess that's kind of what I'm saying here is don't be afraid to create space for your villains. And after they've been defeated, give them, give the players a little bit of space to have that celebration. Mm-hmm. Right. And to, to mourn their dead because your villains should take at least one of them with them. <laughs> Very nice. Depending on the system, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's uh, that's big bad evil guys. Um, we'll Episode probably talk what eighteen. Eighteen, yeah. Wow. Um, we'll probably talk about NPCs more in the future, but for now we'll get back to some other some other topics that have been on the list for a while. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a like or a comment wherever you listen, be it iTunes or YouTube. Um, if you want to ask a question or follow the show any closer, uh, head to Twitter and follow either at to 5 that's me, or at Red Hoodie Games. Um, and if you would like to do anything more than just listen, see yourself over to patreon.com slash skoda, that's S-K-O-D-A, and check out what we've got for support options there. Um, but that's going to do it, and we will see you next time. Good day, eh?